Hello everyone, welcome to episode 163 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan, with me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello. Uh, Tori Wassenaar. Hello. In this episode, I'm going to give my uh, closing thoughts on Skyward Sword. Uh, we're going to talk about all the news from last week's Indie World Showcase. Uh, I'm going to talk about Crisis Remastered, uh, which is soon getting a physical release on Switch. Uh, Andrew's going to talk us through Dodgeball Academia. And uh, Tori's going to give us an update on Neo The World Ends With You, or TUI, as I've been calling it. <laughs> Okay, just uh, me this week with, uh, I think I'm the only one that finished Skyward Sword Remastered. Is that accurate? Yep. That is 100% accurate. <laughs> you should be a baseball player. I'll keep that in mind just in case I need a career shift in the future. Yeah, so I was pretty much, well, Tori had never finished it before. Andrew wasn't super keen on it. I liked it from the original release and finishing it, I still like it a lot. Uh, sorry, 50% of people. Um <laughs> it's a divisive game but uh yeah just finishing it i did have a, a couple of uh, things i wanted to highlight uh tori i remember you saying you had trouble with the controls on the original release and you didn't get really far just because you weren't gelling with it on the replay i've sort of come to have a think about why i think people are struggling with it boils down to basically that you need to do more deliberate arm movements than people realize and go slow and steady rather than trying to hack quickly because i think that's where the game struggles with the uh, move recognition andrew in the show notes you've put a tip here is swinging with your arm not the wrist um i think that's probably good advice but i I think the first boss fight against Girahim is the one that's meant to teach you you know be precise don't rush and you know only hit when you know you're gonna hit it straight tori you said you were faring better on the replay did you have any thoughts on that i mean if that is the reason that still doesn't strike me as very intuitive to me because if the tip is basically don't swing it like it's a real sword then it's not achieving what i mean you would swing a real sword with your full arm you wouldn't use your wrist i think is what <laughs> where i'm going what with the, that one. well i was swinging it with my full arm and it still yeah. wasn't doing it and i had better results on the joy con while just doing it from my elbow so one thing and I, I can't this is one of my criticisms and i don't remember this being a significant problem for me in the original release was that i had to recenter the cursor an awful lot like yeah. anytime i had to use anything aiming with the joy cons i had to recenter um and i feel like i would remember that as a a complaint from the original playthrough this is the point uh, bar sensor bar yeah. thing yeah uh, i think andrew was saying midweek it only used the wii motion plus so yeah i'm not sure on that one i'm and why why i had such a different experience there but yeah that's that's the controls that's one of my uh, criticisms out of the way sorry you stopped playing the other week because it took you back to the first dungeon we back to a lot of places though because it was the first dungeon and then it was also the um Farum imprison Woods. imprisoned fight yeah oh so you you're a lot further than you were last time anyway yeah i've made it up to the fourth dungeon i just have to ah, okay. push through yeah, so um, so when you go back to that first dungeon, like you're there for five minutes, and then you go to a completely new dungeon. So like revisiting those areas generally wasn't a problem for me. Um, I thought that the same thing I thought originally was they do, you know, interesting enough things with those areas that it's not really a problem. And each time you revisit, it tends to be a lot shorter anyway than the first time. Um, on the other reason why I didn't have too much problem with the repetition with the uh, re- you know revisiting the areas is because my mem- I think I said this in the last time we spoke about it but my memory was that you know it would trick you into dungeons without you realizing I've come to think of each area as one massive dungeon you know you get to a point and then you go off and do something else and then you come back to that dungeon so for me like that whole those core three areas are all three massive dungeons just the way you engage with them is um split into sections i think there's a strong case for that because because most of what you're doing on the ground is puzzling or collecting to get into something um and although it doesn't have that same always have that same like you know collect the key to unlock the door to get the stuff thing i still like there's a strong sense that 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 was how they designed it where i did find the repetition annoying was the repetition in the boss fights particularly like i had to fight the scorpion twice the robot pirate twice 
the, the forearm skeleton twice, the imprisoned three times, although they iterate on that slightly. Um, it's That's just not a fun boss fight at all. Any problem that you're having with the repetition, I think it's worth pushing through because I, I found the uh, final dungeon in particular to be really neatly thought out. Uh, and the last two boss fights are just brilliantly executed. Um, the penultimate one is just like a complete perfection of you know the the motion cro- motion controlled sword play. Uh, the second one is about uh, figuring out the patterns and and how to do damage and when to do damage. Uh, and it almost had a Soulsy feel to it, which I enjoyed a lot, obviously. Um, and you know that that's uh, another thing where I'm just reiterating the things of of what I thought before. Now there are a lot of shades of uh, Breath of the Wild in here, which we hypothesized last time. There's crafting and upgrades. There's a lot of the visual design, especially the the technology related stuff. Uh, there's a level with you know gigantic guardians looming around in the distance. There's all the iconography. Some of this comes from Twilight Princess as well. Uh, that they've built on um but also the uh path leading to the penultimate boss definitely has shades of hyrule warriors and if that wasn't what inspired it i'd be very surprised it's a lot of uh waves and waves of lots of enemies and you're hacking them down just to get to that uh, final endpoint. now the the thing that struck me is the overarching theme in this game uh, comes down to if extroverts would just shut the hell up and get out of the way, introverts could rule the world. Uh, <laughs> relating that to Groose's uh, change, he has to come to terms as the loud, strong person that he's not the hero in the story. And when he has that realization, he he reacts badly for a time, and then he sees Link in action, and then he does everything he can to support Link. He gets out of the way. He helps him in other ways. And it's about uplifting the quiet achiever, uh, which was my takeaway from that, which I liked a lot. Yeah, Groose is good, actually. So back to the the criticism stuff I had with it. Um, Yeah, so there's a a lot of wasted space and nothing to do in it, um, which is, you know, uh, Wind Waker had the vast ocean and there was lots to explore in it. There's just a lot less in Skyward Sword. um, And I think that's where it's mostly telling. Uh, that maybe they were in a rush to finish it. Like, there's there's not a lot to do. A couple of islands, the rest is just not worth exploring. Um, there's the goddess cubes, which if you strike them with a, a goddess strike uh, from the world below, that'll unlock something, but it just gives you the direct location. There's no real benefit to exploring the skies. Uh, it's just a means to get to the areas. And the side missions mostly only exist to unlock really annoying mini games so there's the pumpkin carrying there's the karaoke uh, sessions there's the uh, the rupee game it's just you know it's stuff it makes you do once and once you do it multiple times and yeah just couldn't be bothered that because none of that was that fun but that was that was mostly it like overall i still really like this game it's nowhere near my favorite 3d zelda game i don't think it's a bad zelda game at all but yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, very much enjoyed replaying it. Um, I had a lot of fun replaying it. It was everything that I had hoped. So yeah, uh, a success for me. Uh, with that, let's move on to the latest Switch news. Okay, so during the week we had a Indie World showcase that came up pretty short notice, but uh, just general vibes. Uh, I think we were all discussing it in the Slack. It was a pretty good indie world showcase, but nothing that was like, you know, we have to play this immediately. I think we've all, we're all balancing a lot of games at the moment, so there's probably a, a sense of relief from all of us in that. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was lacking that just one big uh, shock announcement. We're, we're looking at you, uh, Silk Song. I haven't been looking at Silk Song for a long time. I am dealing with... Uh the lack of silk song by not caring about the lack of silk song <laughs> it'll come out when it comes out it'll be great i hope fingers crossed and uh <laughs> and i'm not gonna stress about it until then because uh it's just not worth it <laughs> uh so uh, let's let's rush through the announcements um and the first one they announced was definitely something tori is interested in uh coming out next year uh bomb rush cyberfunk which looks like Jet Set Radio, a spiritual successor, maybe. <laughs> it doesn't look like a spiritual successor. When it came up, I thought it was Jet Set Radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'd say it's more of a direct um, spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio Future. And I know a lot of people looking outside in are going to go, what's the difference? But if you know the difference, you'll you'll see it. Um, this is actually done by the same studio who did Lethal League Blaze and Lethal League, which are both also inspired by Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future. So um, I am so, so excited. It's even got the um, one of the composers from Jet Set Radio, Hideki Naganuma composing i think a few tracks for this so it's a huge love letter to jet set radio because sega just won't make new ones yeah yeah uh i just don't have that history with the with that series so it's it's kind of like i like the vibe of it but it's just kind of doing nothing for me um andrew well let me just say about this direct overall i could imagine myself playing any one of these games Mm -hmm. Uh, and this game certainly wasn't at the top of that list because i i just don't have much experience with really almost anything Sega has made, so <laughs> so I'm certainly interested to play it, but not top of my list. Okay, next up is Toem coming in uh, quarter three, a lovely stylish black and white hand-drawn game with a, a focus on photography. Uh, it looked really neat, kind of reminded me of a short hike in terms of its like chill approach and exploration that's definitely one i'm interested in it looks cute yeah the camera stuff looked really cool i like how the uh, 2d look to it sort of uh, made you think that it was a 2d game but then when you see the camera work and you can you know it is the depth of field yeah looks really cool next up was uh loop hero coming quarter four which i'm very excited about so I've, I've played this on pc it's great i nearly didn't buy it on pc on the hope that it would eventually come to switch it was kind of inevitable really uh what i'm interested in there is controls because it's very cursor heavy um and i'm not sure the analog sticks will cut it enough but interested to see how they work around that problem i wondered about uh, that is it a grid game like does everything snap to a grid kind of yeah pretty much then, um, yeah and i could easily imagine this being fairly easily convertible usually when it has a snap to grid system i actually play those with the d-pad instead of the joystick mm-hmm. but we'll have to wait and see what the yeah. controls are like yeah yeah as your character goes around in the cycle you have to put in uh cards which are like environment things and they'll spawn enemies and you've got to do it in a way so that your character will survive heal at the base and start on another loop and then you got to know when to get the hell out of there with your loop that you can then use to uh, advance your your village i haven't played it nearly enough um, and part of that was also hoping for a switch port so <laughs> yeah good game glad it's coming to switch it looks like vaguely enough like a tower defense game that mm-hmm. i'd be interested Kind of like a, a tower attack game. Really. Yeah, that's, that's what, <laughs> it's like it's inspired by the genre, but it doesn't. So it's obviously not a tower defense game, but it's kind yeah. of got that sort of reverse to it, I guess. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's a good it's a good take on, and you know, if that is their basis for the uh, for the systems, like then they got me in because I hate tower defense, as we've discussed a lot. Yeah, I thought bringing it up might uh, <laughs> get a response. <laughs> okay next up is uh far changing tides which is a side scrolling just it's kind of like one of those cinematic looking platformers uh sort of strikes me in the same sort of vein as inside or limbo where you know you you'll move along solve a, a puzzle and the whole thing will be pretty pretty chill overall but i bet there's some dark stuff that happens in that uh, that's coming early next year yeah i definitely got inside um vibes from it or limbo at the beginning at least i know visually it's striking but i don't know reminded me most of little nightmares Hmm. but yeah that's a good shout it looked like it could be a an interesting physics platformer but nothing more than that (laughs) uh next up was uh, necro barista final pour uh kind of 3d visual novel game where you make decisions set in a world where the dead stop off for one final beverage with the living the uh one of the the, the riders is is from adelaide so yeah i for that reason alone I'm, I'm i'm keen to check this one out this is probably the one i'm i'm gonna buy before the the launch sale ends on it for some reason i had it in my head that this was a 2d game like a visual novel 2d visual novel but i also remember yeah, that I, something being in the um at the end about a like dialogue editor or something mm-hmm. yeah they've they've got a like a scene editor so you can do your own movies 
or scenes, however it works. Yeah, um, that's bizarre. You're thinking of a different game, and the name is escaping me. Uh, it's um, not like Valhalla or something like that, is it? No, it's very similar though. It's like is that the one where you're on the uh, the pub crawl in hell? No, that's another one. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's one. It's one where you're actually a barista. And you're making coffee for monsters, like one's a werewolf, one's a vampire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We've discovered a new genre tonight. Coffee for the dead. <laughs> oh, is it, I think it's called... I think it has coffee in the name. I, yeah. You know, I might even own it. <laughs> I think I think it's Coffee Talk. Coffee Talk, I think, is what it's called. Let, let me... Coffee... Yes. I, I own a game talk. called Coffee Crisis, which is probably not, not the one we're thinking of. <laughs> I own too many games. I don't even know what I own anymore. <laughs> uh, I keep picking up sale ones yeah. to play when I haven't got anything to play, and they're all stacking up now. Yeah, that's what I did. It's like, ooh, that's 99 cents, and I might play that someday. And now, yeah. now I have 1,085 of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Tori, you're thinking of coffees, Coffee Talk. So no, this, this, this is something else entirely. I don't think I was, though, because I've never heard of that. Anyway, <laughs> you, I'm just glaring. You can't see, but I'm glaring. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know if I'm really a, a visual novel person unless it's trying to give me existential dread, like Doki Doki Literature Club. It might be. It might be. If it is, tell me, and I'll get it. I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm interested in this game just on its reputation. But really looking at the trailer for this, uh, I'm still not entirely clear what we actually do in this game. Like, am I am I just watching conversations? Like, what's the gameplay in this is my question still, which is not great after I've just watched a trailer for the game and I don't even know <laughs> how I play it. But <laughs> I am interested in this just for the reputation. The visual style's unique. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll pick it up. I'll I'll let you know next week. Okay, next up is uh, Garden Story, uh, also available now. This is one I had... Uh... Andrew Pegg is getting on the, the the launch day, but yeah, obviously he's already quashed that theory. Um, looks like a cutesy Zelda-style game mixed with Stardew-esque elements. The, the Stardew stuff instantly puts me off. But <laughs> If there was one of these I would have bought, this would have been it. But yeah, I just I got too much other stuff I'm trying to, to juggle right now. So <laughs> like, I, I haven't even finished the game that i'm gonna talk about later so mm-hmm. yeah i'm just not buying anything new right now and like i said anything else in this indie showcase they showed especially all the available nows i could have easily played those two and been just as happy with them so mm-hmm. <laughs> hard choices to make it's that game where you'd have to put in so much time to like get to a point where you'd feel good about like i don't know if it's a game that you finish or or what have you but well they're all it looks like a time <laughs> You know what I mean, though. Like there are games that are open-ended, and you're when you're finished with them is when they're finished. And it looks like one of those games. And I I'm instantly put off from games that just look like you can sink like a hundred hours into it without realizing. I like knowing where I'm up to, like finishing a game. So mm-hmm. sadly, not for me. If I see credits, it's done. Um, <laughs> exactly. And aren't you our JRPG person? Come on. <laughs> not really. Though, like, I'm going to be talking about a game that I'm going to criticize for having JRPG elements. So, you know. Dang JRPGs. <laughs> they ruin JRPGs. <laughs> We're a contentious type. So next up, also available now, is Boyfriend Dungeon. That was uh, getting a lot of the talk on, on the socials. Uh, everyone going to horny jail for their sword, sword boyfriends. <laughs> yeah, no, not really one for me, I don't think. But, um, you know, look, looks... Uh, looks interesting it sort of mixes the visual novel stuff with uh some roguelike elements um i've seen positive to lukewarm reviews on that one i don't know whether to compare this to xenoblade chronicles 2 or um anime called soul eater <laughs> they both got um heavy sexualized weapons not for me though <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I didn't think I would be the one of the three of us who would be most interested in this game, but I guess I am. <laughs> uh, but the main thing I've heard about it so far, like the biggest thing I've heard about it, was it sounds like it's actually rather short, which surprised me. So, Oh, now I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just what I heard. You know, that was one person's impression. So maybe it's not all that short, but disappointingly short is what I heard. It, it just kind of ends. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to call it Horny Hades. I mean, Hades is already... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> you got to get past the credits in Hades, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I need to play Hades. It's been on my list for a while. I could have done without buying that at full price at launch. I still haven't played it. Anyway. You fool! Uh, next up, Axiom Verge 2. Uh, also available now. Uh, the first one was highly rated. Andrew, you were lukewarm on the original, I remember. Yeah, I just replayed it a few months ago. Wasn't wild about it. Just like the first time I played it, I wasn't wild about it. Uh, so I, I, I want to play this just for continuity reasons. So mm-hmm. I could do that again. But from what I've been seeing on my Twitter timeline, people talking about this, sounding like I'm not going to be wild about this one too. <laughs> I want to give it a shot. I mean, I liked the first one um it was the first metroidvania game i played other than a metroid game so my experience with the genre i guess is pretty limited but i enjoyed it i'm looking forward to this one i just need to finish at least one of the games that i've bought recently before i feel good about (laughs) buying a new one (laughs) next up is shovel knight pocket dungeon coming quarter four kind of like a uh well it's a puzzle take (laughs) on shovel knight it's sort of kind of like those descending block puzzles but with top-down uh, dungeon crawling elements uh it's one of those really interesting ideas that in my head i never think will work as well as i hope so yeah cautiously looking at this one yeah i'm still processing this um I, it wasn't a game i expected i guess at least it will use the amiibo that i bought <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been looking forward to this one since it was announced in that uh, their Yacht Club Games Presents that was at the beginning of the year, or at the end of last year. It was recently, uh, and they showed this game. Been looking forward to it since then. Uh, the game that actually this reminded me the most of, it looked a lot like Crypt of the Necrodancer, actually, in terms of how mm. characters move through on the grid, and it looks like you have to move in time with the falling blocks. Like, like, like you said, it, it's hard to really comprehend what's going on especially with the the trailer changing to a different clip every two or three seconds so mm-hmm. it's you can't comprehend what's actually happening but it's shovel night i'm down yeah i just um it's just one of those ones where i feel like there's a lot happening and i don't know how that's how i'd process that yet so we'll, um, i'm interested to see more next up was islanders console edition available now sort of like a strategy city builder looked fairly easygoing um probably not my sort of thing it looked so easygoing that it attracted my interest like i just said that i don't like games that don't look like you can ever finish it <laughs> but firstly how dare you preempt me calling you out <laughs> you have denied us content yes i don't know there's something relaxing about this that I don't know, I was just drawn to. I mean, I was about to break out a well actually and everything. (laughs) Well, I've thought of everything, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, maybe it's the art style. It's it's that little score thing in the bottom left that I think is going to hit those dopamine triggers for me. (laughs) Well, I'm the same. I'm coming at it from the same angle. Um, I don't see that this game would ever have an ending. You just keep playing it forever and ever and ever. And that's why it was pretty much at the bottom of my interest. But at the same time, that kind of you know Zen mode you can get into with some style of games, I could easily see that game filling that hole. It's just I got games like that I can play already that have endings, so I'd rather play them. Fair enough. Uh, next up was uh, Metal Slug Tactics uh, coming in 2022, taking the side-scrolling action of metal slug and turning it into an isometric turn-based strategy game uh usually would be my in my interest but i vaguely remember there being something controversial about the publisher or the developer and i can't remember what that is and so caution on that i'm I'm gonna do some research before that comes out i can't remember what it was but otherwise it looks looks fun it's just a i'm a fan of the original metal slug games but like you've heard me talk about um Mario, uh, Mario and Rabbids enough mm-hmm. to know that this is a genre that I struggle with. Also a fan of the original Metal Slug games and uh, I like that they are so faithfully reproducing the art and especially the really, really detailed animations, which is what made Metal Slug so eye-catching when you'd walk by it in the arcade. Don't know that I necessarily want to play this game as a 
as an isometric strategy game. <laughs> yeah. I think I actually um, remember what you might be thinking of, Andy, with the... Because uh, the female characters were kind of funny looking in their original Metal Slug games, like the male characters. They all were very mm-hmm. exaggerated and not conventionally attractive, I guess. And they turned the women in this to be more waifu bait. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. one of the okay. women's profiles that comes out, she's got her chest thrust clear out. It's like, is there something wrong with your spine? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, uh, Tetris Effect Connected uh, coming October 8th. Uh, I like Tetris Effect a lot when it first launched. It was great in VR. Uh, didn't have the same emotional connection to it. Everyone else seemed to. Um, it was Tetris with a light show, uh, you know, which is still good, but it's, I, I didn't find it to be the, um, you know, life-changing experience that some did. Yeah, I feel like it's its strongest in, in VR. Uh, it's got a problem where, because you're playing Tetris along with music, as the music shifts, so does the difficulty. And, like, there's, there's moments where, you, you know, you're enjoying, like, a chill game of Tetris and your, your camera's flying around. Suddenly it goes really difficult. And you're just focusing on on the Tetris. You're not looking at the. You're not listening to the music. You're not watching the surroundings. And suddenly, like the whole perspective of what's happening in the scenery has changed. And you're just like, how the hell did I get here? Um, I, I kind of feel like the whole Tetris difficulty angle counteracts the sort of experience they were going for. Generally, a big fan of the games of this this developer. Uh, you know, Res is good. Luminez also good. But yeah, just just uh, yeah, didn't quite connect with this one as well as others um and this one adds in a load of multiplayer stuff things i never want in tetris except tetris 99 where i can screw people over very different distinction let me <laughs> let me just set people straight on that uh, i mean i played this when it first came out on playstation vr and then i bought it again on the oculus quest and i might mm-hmm. be buying it again it seems <laughs> i adore this game um i've sold it to people by calling it a a spiritual experience because if you like music and you like tetris you really do just zone out and become one with the game sounds really pretentious but you you have to experience it i i like both those things and i was just like yes it's tetris with nice music and pretty visuals yeah i don't know it might be because i'm like mildly synesthetic synesthesia I don't know if that's a word, synesthetic, mm-hmm. but... Ooh, it is. Big word. <laughs> that's a level 10 um, SAT word. Good job. <laughs> ooh. Started playing for jobs. Um, the connected stuff, I actually tried it out on when it came out on Xbox, because I think the multiplayer stuff was exclusive for a bit mm-hmm. on Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, because it's actually co-op Tetris. It's not competitive Tetris, necessarily. Well, uh... It's interesting, but I don't think it has the same, um, nearly the same effect as just playing in VR, the journey mode. Mm-hmm. I don't know, playing in bed in the dark with the Switch. Headphones. Headphones on, definitely need headphones. It's a fun experience. It's a nice experience, but it's not pure Tetris, I guess. It is, and it does have pure Tetris in it, but... Well, I mean, it's it's got the whole thing... The actual Tetris effect ability in the game is that you can get up to like 16 lines at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it yeah, is that, that, trying to be its own that's thing. A neat thing. And But also they don't like use that outside of the journey mode. Ah, uh, true. So- <laughs> I've only really played the journey mode, so... Yeah. Uh, like I like it and I recommend it. It's just not... I, I don't think it was the, the spiritual experience. Andrew, sorry, we, we cut you off there. I've never played VR. Uh, in fact, until the last two months, I haven't had a living space that I could actually play VR in. I'm still in no rush to play in VR, but everything that I know about this game tells me that if you're going to play it, play it in VR. So I'm not that excited to play it on, on Switch. And, and on top of that, you know, it, it goes back to that. I'd rather play game, games that have endings, which Tetris very much does not have an ending. At least no Tetris game I've ever played. But at the same time, it's Tetris. So <laughs> Tetris is a really good game. I will give it that much. I think the only other options on Switch is Tetris 99, which is competitive multiplayer, and you don't have a choice on that. And Puyo Puyo Tetris, which is only half of a Tetris game, really. Uh, so 
this is looking like the best way to play Tetris on the Switch when, th when it comes out. So it has that going for it. I'd actually arguably say that Tetris Effect does have an ending. It does. Uh, yeah. credits. It has a campaign. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'll probably get um, it then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right. So unless you have any objections, I'm just going to breeze through the sizzle reel because we've been going on this for a while. Yep. Um, and we can sum it up afterwards. But uh, Astroneer coming January 2022, 100 days, winemaking simulator coming quarter four, uh, Slime Rancher, portable edition, available now. That's uh, not a word. It's not at all. Um, Lumberjack coming 2022, uh, Curious Expedition 2 is available now, and uh, Gang Beast quarter three. Not really a lot there that I'm I'm interested in. Neither, unfortunately. I mean, Gang Beasts I know is a fun game with friends, but uh, actually, Hundred Days Winemaking Simulator caught my eye just because it was weird. I was like, winemaking, really? And uh, <laughs> Lumberjack looked fun. I I could I could play either of those. Uh, Lumberjack, I'm just interested in because of the pun. That's incredible. Um, well, I liked uh, the subversion where you put you're you're a lumberjack <laughs> bear who's going around hacking down like man-made structures and, and trees <laughs> go in their place it's like that's super obvious yet really clever at the same time i want to play that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and then they finished off the uh, showcase with uh, chucklefish's new game eastward which is coming september 16th and looks spectacular i think this is going to be a day one for me that is a drop everything and play this game for me too mm -hmm. i don't know for me doesn't look like my thing but um I could be sold on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it looked great. Like visuals, music, the vibe, just, yeah, everything in that. Um, so yeah, so that was the showcase. Uh, just outside of that, we got uh, definitive release dates for Spelunky 1 and Spelunky 2. They're coming on the 26th of this month, uh, which is really cool. Uh, annoyingly, I think I got them both for very cheap on Steam recently so yeah, they're 15 uh, and 30 dollars 30 dollars for spelunky 2 that's yeah yeah uh, i got them on the steam sale so uh yeah I, I want them i think the switch is a great place to play them just because of the type of games they are but yeah uh, uh, that I, for something i already own i'll have to think twice about it okay so with that uh we, i think we should move on and and uh blast through the stuff that we've actually been playing this week so yeah let's do that <laughs> Okay, before I get on to the thing that I want to talk about, uh, I jumped back into uh, Mario Golf Super Rush. Did you hurt yourself? I yeah, well, I remembered why I wasn't uh, playing Mario Golf Super Rush, because it's so disappointing. Um, just a lot of these like uh, Nintendo B-tier games, I'm, you know, I appreciate what they're going for, and you know, it's not meant to be like one of their AAA big hitters or... You know, I'm, I'm willing to, to find a compromise on, on things like that. Super Rush is just, like, in some ways so bad that I can't believe at no point someone said, oh. hey, this isn't very fun, let's not do this. Um, well, at some point you reach where, like, you know the idea is bad, but you put so much work into it that you, mm. you just have to finish it. That That's gaming development. That's what happens. Yeah, I just, you know, they could have just took out the Rush elements. You know, it's got a stroke play mode separate and just did that and it would be a hundred times better for it just oh my god um and for something that's called rush that just slows down the play so much and bogs it down with just running point to point with nothing really interesting happening i just i can't believe they released it in this state um for a you know for a company as well that you know their their philosophy is um up in the table a, yeah a, a rushed game is is bad forever where a delayed game can always be good it's just uh yeah so I have been playing, plodding away at the adventure mode. Um, I think I'm on like the penultimate area now, so I'm at least going to see it through. But yeah, it is not a fun experience. And it just like absolutely puts me off wanting to play it outside of that. It, I was hopeful it'd be the sort of thing where I'd want to jump on and do the occasional, uh, you know, stroke match or something. But yeah, it just puts me off it altogether. So yeah, if you're not playing that, you're not missing anything. Tori, let's start with you. Uh, Neo, the world ends with you. Yes. How are you going with that one? So I have finished the first week in the game. Um, the significance is that the main 
theme of the game, I guess. The main part of the game is this thing called the Reapers game that the main characters get sucked into and they're forced to play this Reapers game to, how do you say it? They're given a set of challenges in this alternate version of Shibuya in uh, Tokyo to earn points, to earn the right to exist, basically. Uh, the loser gets erased from existence. Uh, the main character is Rindo and his friend Fret, which I think is a Japanese pun because his name is like Furesawa, which is like the first bit of Furetto. Um, and you also pick up another character called Nagi. They're all very much anime stereotype characters. Rindo's the cold, I don't care sort of um, main character. Fret is the, the best friend that's always upbeat and seems oblivious to things and Nagi is the one that for some reason adores the main character but hates Fret just because they need to write characters. The game itself kind of plays uh, as you wandering around this version of Shibuya trying to compete with the daily task against other teams to earn points. Um, you do deviate from this a little bit like this one day where you have to try and go and recruit uh, Nagi to your team instead of going for points because the, the strategy is the more characters that you have on your team the better chance you'll fare you're very much at the whim of the story like there's this whole idea of the reapers game and earning enough points but you never see how much how many points anybody has you're just told in dialogue every now and then who's winning it's a little disappointing it would have been cool to have some uh more influence over the the main theme of the game which is the reapers game but it's just you're just making your way through a story and the the results of it all are all kind of fixed in place and well outside the player's control. So a lot of it is the wandering around Shibuya looking for the objective. A lot of it is also the combat, which is a lot better suited towards a console with buttons, not just a nice. console with touchscreen. <laughs> it plays really well. One of the, the main things in the game are pins, the kind of pins that you put on your clothing or your bag or what have you. They all have different abilities, and each player character can have a different pin and all of these pins have a different button associated with them the the button on the actual controller that is so you can give a character a, a pin that uses the zl button and then one that uses the zr button and then the third character can have one that uses the x or y button that's typically how i do the the team layout they all have different button activation styles so like hold or rapidly press or charge up some of them are kind of ranged some of them are sort of an area of attack some of them are like a, a proper beat em up combo sort of thing and as you attack sometimes when you attack it will kind of stagger an enemy and while it's staggered if you get a different character to uh, attack it it'll build up a meter that can kind of do like an ultimate attack from one of your characters uh, a lot of these pins also have different, what's the word, affinities. So like fire or electric or shadow and the like. And that uh, ultimate ability, is, it depends on which character you're controlling at the time. Because when you, when you press a button to do an attack with one of the characters, it'll switch control to them. It can be a little bit disorienting if you're kind of alternating between the several characters attacking an enemy, because it will just switch through them all. But the ultimate attack will be based on like what element it is of the, the character that you're currently controlling. So you do have a little bit of control. It's good to kind of have a spread on the different um, affinities that you have. The first week of the game actually has a fourth character in your party that leaves afterwards. I know a lot of JRPGs tend to have this main character that you have in your party that's well overpowered compared to the rest of your characters. But this is the first time where they've actually left my party and left me... <laughs> really hurting luckily they don't take their gear with them that would be really frustrating which is another thing being a game set in shibuya there's a whole bunch of shopping about uh, based around getting different pins with different powers but also different clothing that has different attack and defense and uh, hp bonuses attached to them uh, luckily you can optimize your gear after you unlock a certain uh, skill that will automatically on clothes based on what's the best um, stats for what you want them to do. Like if you want an HP boost or an attack boost or a defense boost. The weird thing about leveling up in this game is that leveling up only affects HP. It doesn't affect your attack or defense. 
stats, or there's also a style stat, which I'll get into in a bit. The way you level up is by ordering food for your party. When you go to a food place, you have to buy food for everyone in your party. You can't leave anybody out. <laughs> um, that's how you level up the stats. Uh, there's a fullness gauge where if you eat too much, you can't eat again until it's completely empty. It's just an odd way. So you, you can uh, feed your party up close to filling the fullness gauge, and then it will decrease as you do battles. But if you fill it all the way, you have to wait until it's completely empty again to, to feed your party again. It's just an interesting way to do leveling up with your stats, because I didn't realize and I was well underpowered, because I assumed that all of my stats would go up. <laughs> it does tell you, but it tells you so much information that some of it's bound to kind of get lost. There's so many little mechanics in the game that um, do make it a little hard to follow, even after finishing the first week in the story, I'm still learning new things about the game, still learning the best way to approach battles and, and the like. And it's not even a thing where you can just go and do a whole bunch of battles and grind because you also need to earn money to buy food, but not too much food, or it will slow down the process of leveling up. It sounds tedious, but I guess in the... <laughs> it sounds like GTA San Andreas. Yeah. I mean, it, it might sound like I'm complaining about it, but not quite. I didn't hate it. it. It's just confusing. And once you get it, you go, oh, okay, I get it now. It just doesn't do the best job of kind of communicating why certain things are important. The way it does kind of the passive stat, well, not stat, like uh, skill things, is based around like a social network. It kind of does this grid of all the characters that you meet and how they're connected to each other. But it's actually a skill tree in disguise. Um, you earn friendship points to put into these different characters and then you'll earn the things like if you earn pins that represent money, it'll automatically turn that into money rather than you having to go to a store to sell it. For some reason, it's like it's creating a problem and then giving you a solution, <laughs> which is really bizarre. Um, being able to sell the pins from your pin screen rather than going to a shop because it will give you multiples of the pins there's no reason to have multiples unless there's a a trade or something that you can do you just sell them and then one of those um skill tree bonuses will just let you sell them without going to a store to do it yeah i found a tweet <laughs> earlier today that somebody said uh that skill tree that social network thing is just a crystarium being smuggled into the game <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah it's so bizarre it'll unlock like some pins and some stat boosts and uh clothing i don't know it, it could have just been a skill tree i guess the reason they've done it is that some of the options on the tree have to be unlocked by doing sort of side quests and the side quests involve helping the people but because you're in this alternate version of Shibuya, you can't just outright help them. You have to do things like there are these passive skills that all of your mem members of your party have, like uh, Fret can remind people of certain things. And uh, I've already forgotten her name, Nagi. She can kind of jump into people's minds and they have noise in them, which is the main uh, enemies of the game. And that will kind of clear their mind and they'll come to a, a better conclusion to whatever problem they're having. Overall, it's an interesting game. It's got some difficulty spikes if you don't take the time to like learn the mechanics. So don't try to rush through it. Like, not even that I was trying to rush through it. I was just playing the game at a decent pace, but I wasn't taking the time to stop every now and then to assess what I had and how to better optimize it all. It's just a very strange situation on that on that front uh the story is fascinating a lot of the characters that you interact with are rival teams and they're not outright enemies a lot of the time sometimes they are but they've got their own sort of characterization and their own style about them that makes it fun whenever you interact with them and i said before about those sort of passive abilities rindo the main protagonist his ability is if he gets into a situation where he's going to get himself killed he can kind of rewind the day and try and figure out a way to redo things but he's completely conscious of it everyone else is just kind of going about the day how it already went and he's just gone like no how about we go over here this time so it's a sort of groundhog day power um but the power itself is just more of a, a story mechanic rather than a thing that you get 
kind of unfettered access to. It's only when the story dictates it's necessary. That feels like a waste. A lot of it does feel like a waste. It, a lot of it is dictated by the story. Like, even it's this huge map of Shibuya, and you can only go to certain places if the story is relevant for you to go to that place. It's not an open exploration. It'll change day by day. Some days you can go to a lot of places, and a lot of days it's just one or two. I don't know. It just... So here's where I am with how this sounds. Yeah. It sounds like they've taken Persona and put it in a format that I would never want to play it in. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> um, luckily enough, the music is absolutely up my alley. The combat mm-hmm. is fun. There's some moments where it feels frustrating, but overall the combat is really fun. But there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of it is just you're at the whims of the story as to what you can and can't do. And it just feels like a shame. I still recommend it. I'm, it's more of a wasted potential sort of complaint rather than a, I hate it. Something yeah. bad. Yeah. I think you'd get a lot more out of this if you played and loved the original though. There's a lot of references to the first game that I barely get. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it it feels like if they remade the first game with these controls and this gameplay, I'd be really happy. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's that then. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Crisis. I've I've been in a bit of a a shooter phase at the moment. So, you know, started with the Metro games, went through Outer Worlds, uh, and I picked this up on sale. So this has been available digitally on Switch for quite a while now, and it keeps keeps going on sale for like 20 bucks, and I keep umming and ahhing over it, and I was just like, screw it, I'll do it. Um, Physical release is coming out soon. Uh, Yeah, so Crisis. So this is uh, by Crytek, who worked on the original Far Cry. Uh, They did this as kind of like a spiritual successor, while Ubisoft went on and ran with Far Cry the series. And yeah, it's it's an interesting game. So it starts off with a distress call from like a tropical island from a scientist. Uh, you get sent in as part of an elite military squad who use these uh, nano suits, which are you know high tech like power suits um, that allow you to to bend light so you can stealth uh, or uh, turn it into high armor, and it also lets you run fast and jump really high. And yeah, so you land on the island, and then you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. You're met with Korean forces who are also trying to to do things and. Like for the first half, it kind of does feel a lot like Far Cry. Um, so every it's kind of it's got a linear story, but every level is kind of open enough so you can approach your objectives. Uh, many of which are optional. Uh, from you know any way of you know any different route, you can go in loud. You can be super stealthy. You can mess with with the enemies. You can shoot a tree to cut it down to land on people. Um, there's a lot of cool little weird like physics things like everything feels really well thought out and then it becomes apparent that there's something happening on the island something has awakened it's an alien story and at that point they kind of take you away from that open approach and just railroad you into desperately linear paths and then it's just not quite as fun so this is predator Um, the game pretty much yeah and no but you're you're kind of the predator the human, <laughs> the, the the alien, the, yeah, but the, the the alien forces are more, I uh, think, War of the Worlds, um, and apparently they have been on Earth for like millions of years, and and the scientists have awoke. Well, that's Chrono them. Trigger. This uh, is so this you, is quite a this is a weird yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, um, yeah. So it's all about stopping stopping the Koreans because you know they're the others, and then suddenly it's a whole alien story, and it's uh, yeah trying to stop the end of the world initially. So this was originally out on PC. You know, it was the big thing: can your PC run Crisis? And you know, everyone's running or ran with that as the strapline for the Switch review. It did release on Xbox 360 eventually as a digital only. Uh, I started it and I gave up because I wasn't really feeling the gunplay. Never felt like you were shooting anything. I still had that here, so I was a bit worried about how I would go continuing to play it. I did see it through this time. I did get more into how it feels. Like when I play shooters, I like to like the guns to have like a chunky feel, and this just has like a I don't know. It's just like high speed, but once you get into it, it, it it's kind of fun, especially when you get to play around with your abilities and you know stealth around people. Like I'll snipe someone, all the enemies will run. Meanwhile, I've turned invisible and then you know flanked around to their side and then i hit the armor button and then i'm 
you know just mowing them down it's 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 really fun this is the remastered edition that usually means like pretty graphics this is the switch port so yeah it's kind of more in line with the with the xbox 360 release um it's largely pretty uh there are some slightly blurry moments here and there especially when it's like a a wide open area i never had any like major frame rate problems or anything but especially when i was trying to snipe at a distance like the distant stuff would get quite blurry even if i'm looking at it through the scope which was a bit weird but like when you're seeing it in motion it looks really good um especially like the foliage and the trees and everything it's uh, like everything has life to it but uh yeah the, the foliage has that thing where if you're passing through it slowly it turns into dots like transparent dots a lot of games do this there were a couple of times when i was trying to hide in the foliage and i was i thought there was like a weird filter or there was a performance issue but now it's just because there was a, a leaf sat in front of my character's face um the other thing with the remastered idea is that there is a level missing from the original release here there is meant to be a uh, flight section where you're in their uh, fancy military ship uh, that was cut for the 360 version i believe it was also missing from the pc remastered version and the reason was that crytek just didn't like it after it launched and decided the game would be better without it they have patched that into the pc version so i don't know if that's ever going to come to switch but yeah that's a, that's a thing to be aware of i was using a, a guide to track my progress and like suddenly i was in the final level <laughs> i was just like whoa I've, I've, i seem to have skipped something here and then uh yeah missing level the other thing say it's really short for like you know you see it as like the spiritual successor to far cry like the levels are quite open-ended i was expecting to spend a lot of time in this game and it's kind of over in like eight to nine hours and yeah i think the railroading is a large part of that so yeah says so it's, it's it is a like like football it's a game of two halves the the first half is great really fun combat cool systems and then when it rail railroads you it gets significantly less interesting um i remember playing the sequel on 360 and i i, re I did enjoy that so uh, I know they're coming to Switch 2 at some point, so I, I, I think I will carry on and replay that one and uh, see how that fares as well. So yeah, I, I think if you can get it on sale, it's definitely worth a look. I probably wouldn't want to blow 70 bucks on it. it it's fine. It's a, it's a, a fun shooter overall. Just, uh, yeah, second half, not as good as the first. Uh, Andrew, uh, left you to last because you're playing... Well, the basically the mo the newest thing uh dodgeball academia you mentioned this last week is kind of like a sports rpg game it is a <laughs> sports rpg game and <laughs> i play as Otto, who is a, a boy who basically crashes the opening ceremony to a dodgeball school uh, and everybody just kind of goes along with it it actually reminded me a lot of psychonauts and how little it made sense and how funny it was and what happens at this dodgeball school is it has this magic dodgeball that's been shoved into a rock that's made out of gold. It was involved in some kind of war in the past. Like I said, it's an RPG. And everybody who touches this ball gets some kind of magic dodgeball power. And the power that Otto gets is when he throws the dodgeball, it can light people on fire. So after joining this school, you just you start going to classes with Otto. And it, it, it's, it's a school. It's like a boarding school. So there's a dormitory. There's a, a library. There's a science lab in the middle of a forest. And you're initially locked out of the forest uh, by this character called the school monitor. And the funny thing is that that's, that's their name because uh, you meet another character you meet her sister later i've forgotten her sister's name but the sister's last name is also monitor so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so her name is school monitor and she's the school monitor it's that kind of humor and the art style in this game is just fantastic i gotta give it credit for that uh it looks really good in screenshots but the animation is just as incredible and almost every character has this really detailed uh, idle animation that they're always doing when they're sitting around in the background. It's a really great game to look at in action. Um, actually playing it, I've actually found it rather repetitive. It's a dodgeball game, and it's a dodgeball RPG, so everywhere I go, like anywhere in another game where there would be an RPG battle, uh, you play a round of dodgeball, and I could be just trying to walk across the campus. There will be students just low just plop down randomly if you meet their line of sight they challenge you to a dodgeball match <laughs> and 
you get experience <laughs> points when you beat them, and that's that's how you level up basically. Is you, you just go around and you, you do all these random battles uh, between every chapter, and leveling up doesn't really mean all that much. Uh, like I said, Otto he gets the ability to throw fire dodgeballs, and then he gets two teammates. There's Mina, who can throw lightning dodgeballs that stun people. That's pretty handy. And uh, Balloony, who is a giant balloon. Uh, some of the characters have very unusual appearances. It's not entirely clear what they actually are. Otto and Mina are pretty clearly human. Then other characters are just like Muppets, and it doesn't explain it. So Balloony is <laughs> a fairly normal-looking human, except he's teal, and his head is a giant balloon. That's super inflated, and when he gets disappointed or when he gets beat, the balloon deflates, which is this existentially terrifying image, <laughs> and then he just reinflates it. And uh, oh, this this sounds a lot like the uh, cartoon Gumball. Sure, check check that out because it, it, it's pretty funny. It actually. is, but it's um, it's uh, yeah, it, the main character is just like a flat two D cartoon, but they exist in a three D world, and all the characters are just oh. weird stuff like. One's a, one's a balloon, so I'm, I'm thinking this is pretty heavily inspired by that. Could be. Uh, I've never heard of that. But uh, Balloony can throw balls in a, a corkscrew pattern, which isn't as useful as it sounds because, you know, you're fighting computer opponents and they can dodge that just fine. And he can also heal. That's his superpower is he can heal. Uh, Otto's superpower is he, he, he does assure you can. <laughs> and Mina just <laughs> summons lightning from the sky, which is super fun. Uh but even though it's a sports RPG, there isn't a lot of RPG customization, at least that I've encountered so far. Otto, he, he, start, he has fire dodgeballs, and you can charge up uh, his fire attack. And as he levels up, he gains not new powers, just his powers enhance. So after a while, I, I can throw fire dodgeballs without charging. And then my charge gets faster. And then he just deals more damage. And then an ability he gets later is if you jump into the enemy's like your opponent's half of the the map and throw the ball while you're in midair, it will deal increased damage. So you're not really getting more choices. You're just, as you level up, you gain more skills that encourage you to be more aggressive. So it, it's interesting to play. It's just, it's not an interesting RPG. <laughs> but as you play, you do get more people to join your team. And that's really where more of the choice comes from. You can start swip it, switching out. Uh, Mina and Balloony, because like maybe you don't use them. Like Balloony's heal skill sounds useful, but really, uh, I found most of the time I was just trying to finish the match with my basic hit points. So I just switched Balloony out for somebody who was more offensive. And there's some interesting variations between the characters too. Like uh, Otto and Balloony can catch a ball, uh, but Mina actually counters the ball. She literally kicks it and then knocks it back at the opponents. So. There's some team balancing you have to pick there, deciding whether you want characters who can catch balls or whether you want characters who can return the ball back to the enemy when they throw it at you. And there's different timings involved. It's really skill-based. So it's been pretty challenging. I got to give it credit for that as well. And speaking of challenge, uh, the super attacks that I mentioned, there's a charge skill too, which I found really difficult to use on my side because uh, the AI on my teammates isn't very detailed. They, they just kind of follow around behind me in a, in a triangle shape. And like when I try to catch a ball, they will catch or counter as well. And on the other hand, the opponent's side are fully capable of acting independently of each other, including using the charge skill to build up their super. And the further into the game I've gotten, the more I've found that I am just getting spammed with the opponent side's super attacks. Whereas on my side, I'm struggling just to get it built up on one of my characters. <laughs> uh, this seems like it's a competitive balance thing. Like the computer kind of needs that just to be able to compete with me because I'm a human and I, I can abuse the game systems. So the computer basically is abusing the systems back but it's getting kind of annoying <laughs> how it's just super after super <laughs> after super that I have to deal with, and then every once in a while I'll get to use mine. So I'm enjoying this. I think it's it's a beautiful game, one of the best-looking games I've played this year, and it, it's a fun idea, but it, it's been pretty hard, and as an RPG, it's just it's really not that interesting. 
So a little bit of a disappointment on Dodgeball Academia, I gotta say, but I'm happy to finish it. Okay, Tori, what are you playing in the coming week? I'm not 100% sure yet. Either try to finish Skyward Sword or Neo Twoey, get something completed so I can start something new. I've got an indie adventure platformer, imagine that, pre-ordered. It's called Greek Memories of Azir. Uh, I've been watching this one all year, actually. I'm really excited to play it, but we'll have to see if it actually gets delivered because I'm, I'm getting the physical version of an indie game, and that's always... <laughs> A, uh, <laughs> an uncertain prospect. Uh, <laughs> if I don't get that, I'll just uh, I'll pick something out from this last Indie World Direct and I'll I'll, I'll play that instead. Cool. Well, I already promised so I'll get Necro Barista uh, when we finish recording. I've got uh, one of those cheap indie games I picked up a while ago that I've been wanting to start, which is called Drongen, which is like a, a black and white mm-hmm. hand-drawn um dungeon crawler like the the classic style western style dungeon crawler um mm. i just never have never found a time for it so maybe if i get necrobarista done quickly i can make a start um i've also after i finished skyward sword I, I wanted more zelda um and i had the carton for breath of the wild to finally do the dlc but i had the idea that i'll wait for my oled switch for that this is why you never finish it yeah but uh new, you know new screen play it handheld that kind of thing procrastination yeah pretty much um so uh instead i decided to start a replay of Link's awakening on my switch Lite, and very much enjoying that it's just one of those games i can autonomously play through without much trouble i'm up to the fifth dungeon uh most of the way through the trading quest hands down still my favorite 2d zelda uh, i nearly played the game boy version on on 3ds but then i remembered how annoying the item changing is with the buttons on that so i, I, I went back to the the switch remake just for the uh, extra button stuff i don't know why i had that debate i should i should have just went with that one originally but uh yeah i don't know i've just got fond memories of the the game boy game boy version so yeah still a blast still love it actually thinking i might do a, a link to the past as well after i've done with this yes yeah I yeah I just end up playing that one a lot less than Link's Awakening you know it's just uh, it's one of those things I always recognize that uh, A Link to the Past is you know the better more expansive game but Link's Awakening is the one I've got the the nostalgia love for so um, I, I'm looking forward to, to doing that as well so um, yeah big Zelda theme for me at the moment as well shooters and Zeldas tonal whiplash Thanks for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. And you can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister show, PlayState and the Power of X, and be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. You can follow us on Twitter and YouTube and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular Patreon, and the details for both are on our website. Thank you very much. This episode was edited by Andy, and you can follow him at Flame Roast Toast. I'm at Play Critically. You can read my long-form reviews at playcritically.com, including just recently I, I, I stepped outside my comfort zone and reviewed a movie, Free Guy. That is up on my website now. And you can follow Tori on Twitter at Stu2. That's S-T-W-T-W-O.
Oh, 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 oh. Have you finished? Oh.